Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Thursday, December 3rd. Today on the show, we're going to take a detailed look at the Ryan Tannehill regression conversation, a lesson that Tennessee fans can take from both the Vanderbilt and South Carolina coaching searches. But we start, of course, with some COVID news as it pertains to the Titans and Browns game this weekend. This was the Browns' official statement released around 8 a.m. on Wednesday morning. Quote, the Cleveland Browns were informed this morning that a staff member has tested positive for COVID-19. The facility is currently closed and meetings will take place remotely while contact tracing is conducted to identify any potential high-risk close contacts. The team will continue to consult with the league and medical experts on the appropriate next steps as the health and safety of our players, coaches, staff, and the entire community remains our highest priority, end quote. As we've seen the Ravens hit particularly hard with COVID since losing to the Titans, and with all of the PTSD Titans fans have with practice gate, I am not surprised at the apprehension tied to that press release on Wednesday morning. I know it got the cliche of all cliches racing through my head. Here we go again. It could be isolated, like many COVID issues around the league, and have very little impact on the game on Sunday. Or it could balloon into something so big that we all have to go on the viral COVID coaster where the game is postponed and then canceled and then postponed again and then rescheduled, all while sitting every single morning around to wait for test results. It could be nothing. It could be everything. Either way, we've got to track it, and now we sit here and wait. Wonderful. Oh, the Ryan Tannehill regression. It was a big point of conversation this spring and summer after the Titans' deep playoff run last year. And since Tannehill has started roughly the same number of games in 2020 as he did in 2019 in the regular season, I thought it would be a smart time to take a deeper look at his statistical production and answer the regression question officially, at least for now. He started 10 regular season games last year with a 7-3 record and attempted 201 passes over that span. Through 11 starts this year, he has basically an identical win-loss record, and has thrown basically the same number of passes, 217. Before we talk numbers, let's talk common sense. The eye test tells you pretty simply that this is one of the better offenses still in the NFL. It's one of the more balanced units in the league. And at times this year, Tannehill has carried this team to wins in the final minutes of games. And that Ryan Tannehill is still one of the NFL's top 10 quarterbacks currently. Hell, the dude is leading the league in fourth quarter comebacks and game-winning drives. However, I can also say that Ryan Tannehill statistically isn't as good as he was last year. He has not regressed anywhere close to his Miami levels of production, but he's also not generating the off-the-charts league-leading efficiency numbers of last season either. He led the NFL last year with a 9.6 yards per attempt and a 117.5 quarterback rating. He's down almost two full yards per attempt this year at 7.8, dropping from first in the NFL to ninth this year. His quarterback rating is down over 10 points to 106.7, dropping him from first to sixth in the NFL. His completion percentage has dropped five points from a ridiculous 70.3 to an average 65%. This is the biggest regression he's had going from third in the NFL last year to 22nd in the league this year. So yes, there has been some mild regression as should have been expected when you basically lead the league in every single major efficiency metric. But he's still very much producing like a top 10 quarterback right now, which again is obvious if, you know, you watch the games. Additionally, there are some areas he's improved his play. His interception ratio is a career low 1.2, way down from last year, which ranks him currently sixth in the NFL. His sack percentage is less than half of what it was a year ago, ranking him 10th in the NFL after checking in at 32nd last year. And he's fumbled one less time than last year as well. 
so he's protecting the football better and taking fewer sacks. What was the point of all of this, since again, if you just watch the games, it's hard to argue that he's regressed much at all. Well, here are the two big points to keep in mind. Number one, the best case scenario for Tannehill this year was going to be a minor regression, because his efficiency numbers from last year were simply unsustainable. For those of us who are data nerds, a regression to the statistical and career norm wasn't some outlandish expectation for Tannehill. That's why it's called a regression to the norm, not a regression to the outlier. But because his running game and scheme off of that running game is still one of the best in the NFL, and he's protecting the football and eliminating negative plays like he's never done before in his career, he is still playing like a top 10 quarterback. This was the best possible scenario, and he has delivered on that in a big way. Look, I have no problem holding my hand up and being accountable as somebody who believed that it was impossible for Ryan Tannehill to repeat his numbers from last year. That statistically speaking, a regression had to be coming, at least some form of one. And he has vastly overachieved those expectations. Number two is far more complicated and involves a lot of other moving parts. As the numbers and people's eyeballs will indicate, Tannehill has been excellent, but he was even better last year, and it wasn't good enough to get his team to the Super Bowl. And that was with Taylor Lewan, a far better defense, and more veteran leaders in the locker room. So the question still remains for this 32-year-old quarterback, if the defense isn't holding up and someone does finally figure out a way to mildly slow down Derrick Henry, can Tannehill deliver a championship to this franchise? There is no way to answer this question right now other than to keep checking boxes and try to set yourself up in the best possible situation for a run to the Super Bowl. I, for one, hope we get to find out the answer to this question. Because make no mistake, the Lombardi Trophy is the measuring stick for top 10 quarterbacks. And right now, Ryan Tannehill is a top 10 quarterback. And while that may not be fair to Ryan Tannehill because this team clearly has flaws and may not be a championship caliber team, quarterbacks are measured by Super Bowls. And can you get your team to the Super Bowl? And whether Ryan Tannehill likes it or not, that is the measuring stick for the Titans in 2020. I've got some advice for Tennessee fans based on what Vanderbilt and South Carolina are going through right now. Auburn fans, you might want to pay attention to this one too. I know Jeremy Pruitt isn't having a great week. The Vols have COVID, he's losing recruits, had to kick a kid off the team, and is probably going to get curb stomped by the Gators on Saturday. All of that sounds like a reason to look around at coaching candidates. But you all know my stance on 2020 and Pruitt. I don't think using this year as the measuring stick is fair. But there's another reason to let Pruitt work through this year and try again next year, outside of having to pay a giant buyout during a massive budget shortfall. There are two tiers of coaching candidates and two tiers of programs that will be looking for candidates. And with all due respect, programs like Vanderbilt have to go prospecting. They are looking at first-time head coaches like Clark Lee, the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame, or young, unproven rising stars like Will Healy at Charlotte. At this level of program and candidates, there's actually a really nice collection of options for schools like Vanderbilt. You can afford to take a risk, try something different, and maybe give a guy like a James Franklin his big coaching break. I've mentioned all of these names before. Jamie Chadwell at Coastal Carolina, Lance Leipold at Buffalo, Billy Napier at Louisiana, Josh Heupel at UCF are all solid prospective candidates for schools like Vanderbilt and to some degree South Carolina. It's why Oklahoma assistant Shane Beamer, not a huge star, is the leading candidate in Columbia right now. But you cannot afford to do that at places like Texas, Michigan, Auburn, and Tennessee. These are elite jobs that pay elite paychecks for elite results. If Texas fires Tom Herman for $25 million, it's because they're looking to bring in Urban Meyer, not the Coastal Carolina coach. 
Unfortunately, there are very few elite-level candidates right now for blue blood programs in college football. It's Meyer and maybe Matt Campbell at Iowa State, and of course the walking NCAA violation, Hugh Freeze. Now, is Tennessee on Texas's level right now? No, of course not. But that's because bad hires in the past have made this program appear to be less than what it really is. Tennessee is an elite job because it has elite everything. Elite tradition and success, elite fan support, elite facilities and stadium, elite level resources, and a far better six-hour recruiting radius than anyone gives it credit for. It's called having national title DNA. And there are only so many programs in college football that have it. There is a reason that basically the same 15 to 18 schools have won every national championship since integration. And while maybe Tennessee is a little out of shape and needs to put down the Doritos and the Mountain Dew, the DNA is still very much there in Knoxville. If the Vols ever do go on another coaching search, Phil Fulmer should not go prospecting. It's why Dan Mullen was one day away from taking the job. It's why Mike Leach was interested. These are established Power 5 head coaches. You're not Texas, but Tennessee should not be dipping down into that second tier of candidates for its next coach. That's how you end up with Derek Dooley and Butch Jones. But as I said... This top tier of coaching candidates is currently an extremely short list. And the end of that list, ironically, might be Cincinnati's Luke Fickle, and I'm pretty sure Vol Twitter ain't going for that. I mean, if Urban Meyer or Bob Stoops calls you and is thirsty to get back into the SEC, of course you fire Pruitt for those guys. But short of that, the advice here is to let Pruitt see if he can make staff changes, put together another solid recruiting class, and if he can't work out his issues next season then not only does the buyout go down, but you've also allowed for a solid second tier of coaching options to develop into top tier candidates. Thank you guys all for listening. Please check out the Gold Standard podcast as well on the 440 Sports Network. We got Scott Burnside on from The Athletic with Adam Vingan and myself to talk about the NHL issues right now with negotiations. Please check out, of course, Fringe Element, myself and Aaron Dugan with talking SEC football. We've got Chris Lee from VandySports.com as well. We got Lamestream Sports coming up. Going to talk Mo Patton as uh, all the prep high schools in the area get set for all the championship games this weekend and what it's like to cover prep high school football for almost 30 years in the state of Tennessee. You're going to listen to that coming out on Friday morning, so please check out all of that good stuff. Please rate, review, and subscribe. My name is Braden Gall. Thank you all for listening. This has been the 440 for Thursday, December 3rd. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler.